Please pray with me. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to be seated. A good friend of mine tells, loves to tell his story about how God moved him into a deep conversion around the area of Christian stewardship, his money. And he tells a story, maybe it's apocryphal, maybe you've heard it, of, of a, a group of Roman soldiers back in the ancient world who became Christian. And they were baptized, a large group, maybe a hundred of them. And so the way they managed the baptism is there was a river. So they said, just line up, guys. We'll just march you through the river and just get this baptism done quickly. So it was a mass baptism, and they went down on the river and were baptized. But there's one unique thing they did. They took their swords out of the scabbard, held their swords in the air, walked into the water until they were completely underneath the water, except for one thing. Their swords weren't in the water. And it was their way of saying, we're going to let all of us be baptized, but not our swords. We're going to not use our swords in a Jesus way. Now, the reason my friend told that story was not because he had a sword that never got baptized, but he said, that's a picture of me before I understood God's call to be a Christian steward. And he said, I didn't hold my sword out of the water. I took my wallet And I held it out of the water when I was baptized. I said, Jesus, you can have all of me except my wallet. Jesus, I give you everything except my wallet. Jesus, your Lord, except over my wallet. And then he tells how eventually he baptized his wallet. Completely changed his life. Well, today we're going to begin a three-part series on Christian stewardship. And the series is called, How to Baptize Your Wallet. And today's message has the same title, How to Baptize Your Wallet. So I want to think about a few ideas from our readings today, from our Timothy reading and our Luke reading, about how to be a faithful Christian steward, how to baptize your wallet. And and there's kind of one truth that's meant to represent today, and it's this. Jesus said in Luke 14, you can't be my disciple. You just can't be. Unless you renounce everything you own. You have to let go of ownership of everything you have and let Jesus own it. And that's really the the heart and the first step of faithful Christian stewardship. So I want to talk about how we can cultivate that in our lives. I'm going to talk about three things. I'm going to talk about moving from trust, or excuse me, practicing or cultivating trust instead of anxiety. Number two, cultivating contentment instead of greed, and cultivating detachment instead of control. Trust instead of anxiety, contentment instead of greed, detachment instead of control. It's fascinating that in our gospel reading, Jesus says, do not be anxious. Don't be anxious. I don't want you to practice anxiety. Now, before I go, let me say one thing. I recognize there's a clinical category of anxiety where people have a disorder and they need therapy and maybe medication. 
I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about that everyday, regular anxiety we all have. Because it's not like there's anxious people and non-anxious people, right? We all have it. We just have it in different degrees. And he says, I don't want you to be anxious. Instead, I want you to be like birds. Birds don't even think about what's going to come the next day. They just worry about today. They receive what's there and they totally trust God. He says, you are infinitely more valuable than birds. If God takes care of them, he's going to take care of you. So he invites his audience to to trust God for their provision and to live in a place of radical trust. Now, a helpful truth to know is most of Jesus' audience weren't 21st century middle-class and upper-middle-class Americans. They were first century, mostly what are called day laborers. Most people got up, looked for a place where there's work and found work for that day, made enough money that day for the next day, got up again and did it over. Even people that had a business like, like Peter, who was a fisherman, he had to go out every day and fish to have fish to bring to the market that day. There's no social safety net. There's no savings accounts. There were people with wealth, but basically there are a few small people with wealth and everyone else lived one day at a time. That's the audience where Jesus says, don't be anxious. He's being really, really bold. He says, I want to invite you to trust the Father for your provision. Don't be anxious about whether you'll meet your needs. Trust God for your provision. One more important caveat Remember, Jesus is a first century rabbi. So when he teaches, he uses a methodology called hyperbole or intentional exaggeration. So it makes it sound like, well, I guess I just sit around and wait for God to give me stuff. It's not what he's saying. Until he went into public ministry, Jesus worked for a living to earn his way. His, his team carried a purse. And if you translate how much was in that in today's dollars, about 30 grand to fund their ministry. He's not talking about just living a quietest life and not actually engaging in work and labor as God created us to do. He's saying in and through that, don't live with that kind of anxiety where you think it's all on you. Learn to let go of it and trust God. Cultivate trust instead of anxiety. That's the first thing we need to do to become people who baptize our wallet. People who let Jesus own everything that we own which we actually don't really own. Second thing, we need to cultivate contentment instead of greed. It's interesting. Jesus talked a lot about greed. And the way he talked about it is it isn't just this, a few people are really greedy. He kind of made it sound like all of us struggle with that. Because greed really comes out of what I have just can't be enough. Usually there's envy tied into it. They have more, I want more. And it's all about me. It's, it's a condition of the heart. You can have riches, no riches, and have that in your heart. But Paul speaks to that. And he says, I want you to cultivate contentment. He writes in today's reading, godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of it. Of course, you've heard the trope. There's no U-Hauls behind a hearse. You don't take anything with you. He goes on and said, if we have food and clothing, in other words, basic necessities, we should be content. 
So he invites us to be people who are content with what God's given us. If we have our basic needs met, to learn how to be content. Now, the most helpful definition I've heard of that is one you've probably heard many times, that contentment is learning how to want what you have. Learning how to want what you have. St. Paul writes about this in Philippians 4. And he describes how the Philippians are going to give him a financial gift. And he's happy about that. But he says, I want you to know something. My, my state of contentment isn't dependent on that. I know what it's like to be in deep need. I know what it's like to have abundance. And I found the secret in both places is to be content in Christ. And it's in that context where he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And, and that verse, you've heard that verse, it's misused a lot. In the context, it's about how no matter where I'm at, whether I have not enough or too much or more than I need, I can struggle with not being content. But the answer is Jesus. I need to lean into Jesus and look to him out of that first principle to trust him to be my provider. Then out of that, I can cultivate contentment. And the truth is, when, when, I, when I don't cultivate contentment, a deep erosion in my soul happens. If you struggle with being discontent about whatever, it doesn't have to be financial things, it be all kinds of other things, you know what happens. It's like this poison that gets in your psyche and your soul, and it gets a hold of you, and, it, and it's, 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 it's like a kind of an acid that just totally erodes over time. It's ugly. But to get to the place where I can want what I have, receive it from the hand of God with gratitude, then I can practice and cultivate contentment. And that's the second aspect of how I learn to baptize my wallet. I learn to let Jesus own what he owns already. The third thing is detachment instead of control. So detachment is this idea that's deep in the Christian tradition that, that we, we learn to live this life and it's not that we don't enjoy it. You know, the things that come to us, the good things, the blessings, we really have this attitude of it's a gift from God and we really enjoy it. In fact, in our text today, it says God gives us all things to enjoy. So, so it's not like God's a, you know, an ogre and like, you terrible people. I can't believe when you see a beautiful sunset, you enjoy it. Don't you love God? I can't believe that when you have a great steak, you enjoy it. Don't you love God? That's not what the text is saying. However, it's easy to take those things and make them God replacements. And once I make those things God replacements, then they lose their ability to bring joy. Because they can't bring that kind of joy. They're temporal. They're short-lived. You know, you've bought something new, right? And when you first get it, it's just awesome. But how long does it take till the new car just becomes your car? A couple weeks. Not long. Usually after a while, it's just the thing you have. And so it, none of the things that are gifts and joys in this life have the power to meet the hunger of your heart. Only God can do that. And so the answer to that is to learn to live with detachment, to enjoy what God's given us, but not to cling to it and control it as though I can't live without it, but to know that I can give it to God. And maybe there'll be seasons where I don't have that. Or maybe God will call me to give it up. Sometimes God calls people to live in a state of poverty to serve him. Not all of us, but sometimes. And if we're able to cultivate detachment, 
we can follow God in that way. All three of these things are matters of the heart. Now, Christian stewardship, we're going to look at in the next few weeks, has practices that go with it. And we're going to talk about the practices. But my conviction is that if you take the practices and sort of lay them on your life, but don't cultivate a right heart, they, they won't function the way they're supposed to in your life. They'll, they'll, they can become legalistic and, and ugly and create a kind of bondage. But if along with those practices that we'll talk about, you cultivate these heart attitudes, a heart of trusting God, trusting God to be your provider, looking to him, trusting God to give you contentment, to want what you have, and learning to hold on loosely to the things that God gives you. And let me say this as well about detachment that I think is so helpful. There, there, there's a side of detachment that's about, about sort of a, almost a, a spiritual discipline of, I don't want these things to get so a hold of me that I turn them into false gods. They replace God for me. There's another side to it. You see it in the Luke text, kind of a carefree attitude. The birds of the air, it's not just that they trust that they just kind of weren't having a good time. They're just living one day at a time. They're just flying around, eating food, just La, 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 happy, happy. They're just able to enjoy what's given them right now. Christian detachment does that. I think I said that earlier, but I want to really drive that home. That It's not a joyless thing. It's actually a joy-filled thing. Joy-filled thing. Well, here's the question today. The question today is, have you baptized your wallet? Have you ever baptized your wallet? Or are you like my friend that, that you know, when, when you became a Christian and whether you were baptized as a baby or later on, in, in a sense, you've, you've held your wallet out of the water and said, Jesus, man, I give you everything oh, except my wallet. That, that's mine. It, have you ever baptized your wallet? Maybe it's time to take your wallet and press it into the waters of baptism and give it to Jesus. And I think what you'll find if you've never done that is, is it won't be scary. It won't be freaky. Maybe at first but you'll learn that actually God's trustworthy and that joy comes when you let go of the ownership of what's in your wallet. Or maybe you've done, you're in a second group, maybe you've baptized your wallet, but you know, it's tempting to pull that out of the water again, isn't it? It's just easy to say, I'm taking that thing back. Something came up that I'm just not sure it's going to work out. and I just can't trust God. And so it's just all the water. Maybe today you've realized that and you need to say, Lord, I need to baptize my wallet again. And just... Put it back. Or maybe you've baptized your wallet. It's baptized right now. And you just need to reaffirm that. Here's what I want to invite you to do. When you come forward to receive Holy Communion, you take your left hand and place your right hand on top of it to receive the host. If you've never baptized your wallet, imagine your wallet in your hand. And to change the metaphor, just let Jesus take it. Or if you pulled your wallet out of the baptismal waters, just imagine your wallet in your hand and let Jesus take it again. Or if your wallet's already baptized, thank Jesus that he has it and that he knows how to manage it and use it better than you do. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand.